Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. It's really hard to get someone to do what you want and influence someone. So how on earth do you get to influence a secret service agent when they're about to come on your show? You can't. Influence is about swaying people into the direction we want. It's about getting people to say yes. And some influence strategies that you can use on a secret service agent to come back on your show to a, oh, no, wait, actually, no, we shot three episodes. Oh, 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 no, wait, hang on. We're actually doing a series together. Hmm. She wasn't influenced at all, huh? Maybe I influenced you so I could keep coming back. You can't stop me now. No, you How can I influence people? How do I get them to say yes? One of the techniques that I was taught and that is used by a lot of the, the, actually some of the best negotiators out there is priming. Now priming, when you think of the word priming, priming is something that is done before to make what follows better. Okay. So I'm going to do this, but how can I prime it? What can I do before to prep it so that what happens after works better for me. That is the way priming works. So if you have an important discussion, you're going to have a work meeting, maybe you're going to sit down with your team, you can think of ways to prime them to make that discussion flow better, to put everybody maybe in a good mood, to make people feel better, to make them feel warm, appreciated. So let's say you're going to have a meeting in which you're going to tell your, your, your crew, maybe there's something you want to address, an issue but it's a bit negative, but you want to prime them so that they're at least in a good mood when they're about to hear this maybe bad news. You can go out and you can set a, you can order food, set a spread of food up for them. So you can say, hey guys, welcome, here's some food. You just prime them to, be, to think, oh my gosh, Lisa, food, you know, she's thinking of us, I so appreciate her. So now when they're sitting down and they're eating and they're feeling good about you, 
you can deliver that negative news. I actually use this tactic, sorry students, <laughs> with my students. The first day of school, I prime them by bringing donuts and coffee mm. to class. And so I want them to have a positive feeling of who I am, but I'm also, I have rules and policies and structure in my class. So, so in that same way, I'm doing two things. I prime them saying, welcome, I'm happy to have you, donuts and coffee. But when I go through the syllabus, I'm going through a lot of the syllabus is this is what we're going to do. But the other part is don't do this, don't cheat, don't talk, no cell phones, a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I have this policy, I see a phone, you go home or you leave the class. But I want to deliver that in a way where it lands on them instead of them thinking, she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she's really freaking bossy. She's really bossy. So, it's, so you prime people before something. So that's a really simple example. There's actually this really fascinating study done by researchers. They took two groups of people and they had them unscramble words and sentences. Okay. All right? So the first group of people were given benign words, words that maybe don't mean anything like thirsty, clean, private. The other group was given words that are kind of like elderly stereo stereotypes. Um, old, forgetful, bingo, Florida. So you have the two groups. When the research study was over, they timed them to see how quickly or how long it took them to walk down the hall when they were leaving. The group that had the elderly stereotypes took longer to walk down the hall. Because they were primed. And all they were doing was unscrambling words in a sentence, but that primed them to be slower, mm. to behave and be more elderly. It, <laughs> they almost took that on, and so they actually walked slower leaving, and the researchers were kind of astounded with it. But that's the power of priming. And priming can be used in a lot of different ways. So let me give you another example. Mm. Openness, creating an open environment. So right now, you and I, have this openness, right? We don't have a table between us. Mm. There's nothing disconnecting us. Openness you can create in a conversation you're having with someone. So if you really want to get in deep with someone, it's an interview, maybe it's a date, maybe it's a business negotiation. You don't, one of the things we did, we never had tables between us because they were barriers and they didn't symbolize openness. Mm. And so you can create an open environment, maybe having an open space, open window, um, another technique that is used, open books on the table. Open, open books. Open, Interesting. An open pitcher of water. Because now you're kind of feeding me this feeling of openness. That's priming. I had no idea about that. And what you even said it, it puts someone in a certain mood to then be receptive to something. And... I actually don't have a problem with that. Like there were some people, and this is why I really want to talk about this, is some people that actually feel like it's manipulating them in a way that they don't have the power. But I actually love what you're saying of like, no, it's just putting you in a certain emotional state. Um, do you think that there's a problem? Let's say, for instance, I, let's say I, I see that you're priming me, right? Because I'm good friends with you now. We've spoken a lot about this sort of thing. Be like, ah, oh, nice, Abby, that actually worked. Some people may actually almost take offense to seeing the strategy. So here's the thing. And this is where sometimes I feel like what I speak about is more about an ethos mm. rather than tactics. Mm. These, these are things that you don't do to manipulate people. Can somebody try to use them? Sure. But then eventually you're, you get caught. Like people see through it. Mm -hmm. People see through 
the bullshit. They just do or they feel it, and then eventually it backfires. This is not about manipulating people. This is about setting you up so that you understand people and understand behavior and put them in a, a space where they feel comfortable and feel connected to you. Mm-hmm. If I can influence someone to go along, to not challenge me, to not be aggressive, to not push back, that's a good thing, not just for me and for them. But when you don't know how to use these techniques and you use them for manipulation, and if that is what drives you, you're not going to be very good at them. It's gonna, people are going to see through them. They're going to expire. So if my mm-hmm. ethos is I want to connect with people, which I know is yours, mm-hmm. I want to have less resistance in my life. I want to have less resistance from people. People can still say, hey, and you and I have had this. Hey, Lisa, no, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I don't want pink on my set because I just don't do pink, (laughs) right? There's ways to communicate with people, but this is setting yourself up so that a person can connect with you and you can kind of sway them or get them to see your your perspective. If you want to maybe say something to Tom and you want him to say yes, you're going to try to catch him in in a good mood. Or you're going to try to catch him in a time where he's receptive. Mm-hmm. But that's the, the concept behind priming. In, in, when it comes to influence, you are not trying to trick people. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the thing. It, I think it ultimately comes back to intention, right? Um, it's because even if I saw you priming me, right? Let's say you brought me food um, for whatever reason. And then you hit me up with something. Because you're my friend and because I know who you are and I know what your intentions are, it's not a, I wouldn't see it as a form of manipulation. I would see it as a form of, she knows what I'm like and she knows how to put me in a good mood. Like, actually, I think I'd be like, oh, she she knows me really well. Like, I would almost see that as a connection, not a form of manipulation. But I do think some people do think of it as a manipulation. Yes, and they're very bad at it. Mm. And you can see it and you can sense it and you you sense those people, you feel those people. Yeah. When you do this stuff, it's supposed to be subtle. Mm-hmm. Like if you're overt about it and you are going in with the mindset, with the intention, I want to manipulate, trick this person. Right. The moment you set that negative intent, everything that's going to follow that is going to be negative. Mm-hmm. Even if you succeed in the short term, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That person's going to pick up on that. And they will resent you in the long term. And so now that relationship is gone. That long-term relationship is is no longer there. Yeah, so true. Oh, my God. Um, And just kind of reflecting back now on even my relationship with my husband. So as you know, um, Tom and I have decided to not have children. But I, once upon a time, I wanted a big, big Greek family, you know, with like the four or five children. And over time, I started to change and realize, oh, maybe I don't want kids. And in hindsight now, looking back, I think I was priming him for a year in the sense of like, as I was changing, I was making it very important. I was making it an important part for me to say out loud what I was loving becoming as a human, as a woman, like I love what I'm doing, to show him over time that this change, while it actually wasn't beneficial to him in the short term, because I stopped cooking for him, I stopped putting his clothes out for him, I literally was like, okay, you've been a kept man for the last eight years and now you're out on your own. Um, But over that year that that kind of conversation evolved and that happened, I was very deliberate in saying what I was doing was making me happy and how much I was enjoying it and how much I loved it. So that when we started to talk about having kids and I was starting to voice, I wasn't sure, he immediately, again, wasn't deliberate, but now looking back, he was already primed by being, 
but babe, yeah, like, don't have kids. I've seen how happy you've been over this last year. So even that with now that I reflect back, I'm like, oh, I would do that again. And he does that to me, but it's not the manipulation. It's just show me the true thing so that I can see. So I actually encourage him to prime me and I encourage people to prime me or prime each other if it's in service of, God, that's going to sound really cheesy, but in service of a, um, a pure goal. And so I definitely wanted to influence him for him to be excited about the fact that I've chosen to not have children, like I that we've chosen. But like, I really want him to be excited about it and not feel like he was really like, um, fine, I'll do it for you, right? Like I kind of wanted him to get a glimpse into how I was feeling, how I was thinking, so that when I approached it, he was already primed with understanding where I'm coming from. Yes. Yes, but it yielded better results for you because otherwise had you maybe not done some of those different Correct. things, he would have been resistant, it would have been a fight, it could have blown up, it could have led to divorce. Correct, so true. And now actually, you know what we do with each other? Oh my God, I love this. But what we do is sometimes now, I'll say it to him because we know about the priming thing, I'll say it to him and I'm like, I'm just planting a seed. And I literally, I'll even do that with a little finger and I'll lean forward and I'll plant it in front of him and then I back off and he smiles and now we do it to each other and we actually say like, just planting a seed, nothing for you to say, nothing for you to do, just planting a seed. And now because we do it with a vibe and a spirit of being cute and honest and open and letting each other know that we're actually priming each other, like it really is the most freaking beautiful thing we've ever done. Yeah, I think it's when you use influence in a direction that helps progress the relationship or progress you. Yes. And if you're thoughtful about it, at the end of the day, it just helps you get closer to your goals. And I can't think of anything better than that. No! All right, guys. So Evie's been on the show three times now and I really freaking love having her on. It really does like just fill my heart, except this one thing that has just been really bothering me the whole time. Evs, what up, me? Oh my God, I cannot wait for you to get here. Yes, I think it's gonna be great. I've never seen anything like this on YouTube before. I'm really excited. We're gonna have so much fun. Like seriously, everyone just keeps asking for you to come back. They won't stop bugging me. They just keep asking for you to come back. It's going to be amazing. I'm actually packing right now, so I should let you go. But I'll call you when I get on the plane. All right, cool. Just don't forget, girl, to bring your pink stuff. Lisa, I'm not going to wear pink. I don't even think I own anything pink. So I have this exciting shoot with Lisa coming up, and I'm really looking forward to it. But the last time I shot with Lisa, she kept bringing up pink, and it's everywhere. Look, of course, I want you to be completely comfortable in whatever you know you want to wear black or gray or pink. Lisa, we talked about this. I, I don't do pink, I don't, I don't even think I own anything pink. She doesn't like pink pink pillows, pink cups, pink nail polish, pink trees. So much pink. Pink is life. No, 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 seriously, girl, just wear whatever you're comfortable with. And I don't do pink. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, 
it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Every time I'd go over to like my dad's house or like a family member's house, it was always like feed them as much as possible. I don't know if it's just a Greek thing, um, but it was like feed them as much as possible, give them food to take home with them. And I really remember it having an impact and like making me feel a certain way towards someone when someone's extremely generous. But there is really something to doing something for somebody else in a very genuine way, because this whole episode is about being very genuine, not trying to manipulate someone. But absolutely doing things deliberately to influence someone to make them feel a certain way about you. Talk to me actually about that and how you found um, that's been beneficial on your side of things. Well, that's reciprocity, which is another influence tactic. I do something for you and then you feel compelled to do something for me. I think it's just the way we are designed as people. The majority of us don't like to owe something to someone. We want to keep things always level. Mm -hmm. And so when someone does something really nice for me or gracious for me, most people, not all, most people want to return that because we want to we come back and be even. If you do something for me a favor, 
I feel indebted and sometimes I don't like the way that feels. And so I want to give something back so that to lift you back here and so that we're on that same uh, level. And I remember you gave me a goodie bag when I, when I, was it when I left or I arrived? I can't remember. It's, it's when you leave. So we have this whole setup of making you feel super welcome. Then we have a fire interview. Then as you leave, we give you a little yeah. gift bag full of goodies. Because you want me to feel warm and fuzzy when I go. And it, it, but it's also, you're, you're um, affecting the way I feel. Mm. With reciprocity though, it doesn't have to be in that immediate moment, meaning interview, goodie bag, right? Mm -hmm. It can also be spread out over a period of time. So I can do something nice for me, for you now, so that later on, I can come back to you and say, hey, Lisa, you know what? Um, do you have a connection with, mm. you know, film studios? I was looking for a producer for a project. So I can think of it like, well, look, I'm in this space. I'm trying to get into the space. Lisa's great, greatly connected. I want to keep a connection with her. How can I do that? Some people may use reciprocity. Hmm. That's interesting because that isn't why I give um, gift bags away. It's not. It's yes. not to have someone owe me. It is to remind them of the wonderful experience that they had on Women of Impact, and they pull out the gift bag, their mug, and so on a Saturday morning when three months later they've forgotten they were ever on set. They pull out the mug and they get a certain feeling of a reminder of how they felt. So that it, and again, it wasn't almost, it wasn't deliberate at the time, but now I'm like, it's a freaking good strategy, but it does come from a genuine place. It does. In fact, one of my friends, um, Sex with Emily, about six months later, she texts me and she's like, oh my God, I had this party with like four other people, whatever. And I pulled out a mug and everyone's like, oh my God, you know impact theory? How do you know impact? And it created this whole conversation about the, of our company and our show. Now that wasn't deliberate, but did it ultimately serve and influence? Yes, actually really did. You know how else it influenced? Every time they see that mug or they see a, a book or a different thing that you gave them, you think of, they think of you. Hmm. Yeah. You stay, you stay with them. You don't become a memory. Yes. And so it's a reminder. Oh, Lisa. Yes. Oh, impact theory. Yes. And so that now that you're always at top of mind for them. Mm. So it's a great way to stay connected to people, even though maybe you're not physically connected to them anymore. That's actually a really good influence tactic. And I grew up in the same Greek culture. When you go to, when somebody comes over, you immediately offer them something immediately yes. before you even ask them anything, before you sit down to talk about anything, you immediately offer them something. There's a lot of cultures that do that. You don't talk business, mm -hmm. not just when people come over your house, you don't talk business, even in business until you offer people something and, or maybe until people eat and mm -hmm. then you have that discussion. I actually want to ask you that. So when you're about to interrogate somebody, and I've actually heard you say, though, you do things for them. Don't you, like, ask them what they want to drink? Like, don't you do things like that? Oh, that's a whole other influence strategy, and that is called authority. When somebody perceives you as an authority in something, they are more likely to be agreeable. They are more likely to cooperate with you and say yes to you. So what I do initially in the beginning it could be considered as authority, even though it's not really my expertise, but because I wanted to set a, a precedence of letting somebody know, and sometimes I would interview people who they hated, you know, what I represented. They, they were very angry to be there. They had no respect for me. Um, so, and they were very challenging. 
So I would want to set the tone very early on. Again, though, it is priming that I was in charge. I don't want to tell you I'm in charge. The moment those words come out, I'm in charge, I'm the boss, you need to listen to me, you're done, you're done, you're done. You just lost all credibility because what's that saying is they already know you are these things, but they're obviously, they don't care because they don't respect you mm. and they're challenging you. So you can keep repeating it. You're trying to use your status as a way to get people to respect you. You want people to respect you, the person, not your status. Because somebody can have status and not have any respect. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to setting things up, because I wanted to set authority that, hey, I'm in charge, I would say to somebody, hey, hi, Lisa, welcome. Um, what can I get you to drink? And they would, you know, if somebody says, no, I don't want anything, please, I want to get you something. What can I bring you? I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. So I've kind of pushed you and set this precedence of, I'm going to get you a drink. That's but you could do it like when somebody comes in, hey, how are you? Have a seat and show them where to sit. Love that. I want to talk to you, though, about the drink thing because in that situation, I see why you are um, showing authority. You've walked into the room. They have no say on whether they get a drink or not unless you offer them. Here's a situation, a story that I actually just remembered. So Impact Theory, it's grown very quickly. We have a big celebrity come in. We've got a big team when there's big celebrities coming, so we have this shoe, everyone's there. And me being me, Lisa, I just, I love asking, I'm Greek. So I literally, I'm like, oh, does anyone want a cup of tea? Does anyone want coffee? Anyone, cookies? Like, and I'm walking around. And then something happened, and this was a while ago, so I have to remember the detail, but something happened. And I was like, wow, I'm being treated like I'm like the bottom of someone's shoe. And so afterwards, I said to Tom, like, babe, this really, like, actually upset me. And he's like, but babe, you treat yourself like you're the, like, the waitress. Yes. And he's like, how do you expect someone to respect you when you're walking around like you're the waitress serving other people, not a joint partnership? And I was like, that's that actually is something that I struggle with. Because I'm like, but why, though? Why, in one situation, exactly what you're saying commands authority and in a completely other situation actually makes me feel less than, not that a waitress is anything bad at all, I just want to state that, but I didn't want, I was the freaking owner of the company and I wanted to walk in and strut my stuff. But, um, but I still wanted to be kind and sweet and ah, generous. But you weren't professional. But that, This is where everybody gets mixed yeah. up. Yeah. You're professional. Can you be kind and be professional? Yes. But it's when you become overly kind that doesn't work for you. It's called overly cooperative. That's a whole other episode. When you're overly polite, that doesn't work for you. You can be a professional and you can come in as a professional businesswoman. Hey, guys, thank you. Welcome. What can I get you to drink? It's the way it is said. Now, I know you. You want to be authentic. Yeah. And you can be like that with me. You can be like that with the people that are close to you that know you. But if you're dealing with business people or people that you kind of don't have that or you're trying to get to that level where they re you want that respect, you want to feel like an equal partner, then you carry yourself like that. Mm. So this is where you create balance. So it's polite, yes. Yeah. Overly polite, no good. Right? What up, guys? All right, let's just be real. Hair products can often be an absolute conundrum. We all have different hair types and various needs. But thanks to Vegamore, your hair goals can actually be within reach. Vegamore's holistic approach to hair health uses smart botanicals. Vegamore's products are cruelty-free and never ever contain parabens or hormones. 
Vegamore has something for everyone. The Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit works together. Just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds and then follow up with conditioner. It's that simple. And what I absolutely love, guys, is with Vegamore, there is no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. So like I said, guys, if you're not sure about what's going to work for your hair or not, they literally give you a no-risk 90-day money-back guarantee. So go to vegamore.com slash Lisa and use code Lisa to save 20% on your first order. That's vegamore.com slash Lisa and use code Lisa, L-I-S-A, to save 20% at vegamore.com slash Lisa. Now, back to the episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Right? Compassionate, yes. Overly compassionate, no good. Kind, yes. Overly kind, no good. I, I, and I hear you because I had to scale that back too. That was a part of me I had to understand that because of maybe my gender, because of what I look like, because of the judgments people make, that would not work for me. And that's exactly what I said to Tom. Guarantee, babe, you walked into that same room, exactly the same situation. You turned around, you said, oh, does anyone want a cup of tea? Anyone want any biscuits? No one's going to act afterwards the way they acted towards me. Yes, but this is where you have to know thyself mm -hmm. and understanding, oh my gosh, this is a whole other tactic or issue. This is called branding, which is what people see when they see you. So branding is, I don't know if branding's influence, but when you want to establish a connection with people and influence people, you have to, they have to know how to read you, mm -hmm. but you also have to know what they see. Mm -hmm. So there's two types of brands that you have, Lisa. This is the, brand one is the way Lisa sees herself. In your mind, you see Lisa a certain way. Brand two is how other people see you and the world sees you. So these two brands may not connect. So if I flip it back to me, I understood my branding was when people saw me, they saw a, a white Caucasian woman, a blonde haired woman, you know, my makeup, my dress, whatever the case may be. She's probably American. She's probably Christian. She probably grew up in middle suburban household. People would make an assessment of me mm -hmm. based on what they saw. It's just something that people automatically do. It's the impression they make based off of the world and what they experience in the world. But my true brand, the brand that I know about myself was I'm the daughter of immigrants. We didn't grow up poor, but we didn't grow up great. I lived in public housing because my parents couldn't afford housing. I grew up in a really rough part of town. We were victims of a lot of crime. But that's a brand of me that people don't know. I know that. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know me, you would never expect that I started off as a New York City police officer. Mm -hmm. You would never expect that I was a special agent with the Secret Service or that I was on the president's detail or that I was an interrogator. People don't see that brand, although that is authentic to me. They see this brand, this woman. Mm -hmm. And so you have to bring the, you have to understand what people see. So I get when you're like, well, if Tom did that, I get it. But Tom looks a certain way, sounds a certain way, is a certain way. So if you can just let that go and, and think about what is my brand and what do people see or what do they think my brand is? Even, and oftentimes what people, and you could call it stereotyping in a sense, but 
what truly is and what people perceive is not the same thing. So if you can understand what people see, you, you may not like it. You're like, why do they see that? They just see you a certain way. And so then when you come in overly nice, can I get you coffee? Can I get you coffee? <laughs> can I get you this? You're feeding into that. And now they've done is dismiss you. I want to go back to what you said. And I see this with a lot of women where they feel like no one hears me. I get steamrolled. And it's, there's a couple of very basic things. First of all, do you speak up? Do you project your voice? Do you speak a little bit slower so that you can take time when you speak? Or do you rush through it? Because when we rush through things, it sends a message that I don't matter. My words don't matter. I don't want to take up your time that I'm not worthy. There's stuff like that. And then also think about your brand. You know, what do they see? They're going to see that. You can't change what they see, but mold it. Mold yourself. Like we're it's amazing. You can mold your body. You can mold your clothes, your look. You can mold it. So do it. Mm. But I think when you take that, they have to accept me as I am, but they're not, or it's not working. So now what do you do? You just hit a roadblock. I'm all about getting shit done. I'm going to get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. You've really given me the words now, I think, to put to it. It's not that I'm not being authentic. It's that I'm tapping into a different side to me. Like that really resonates. I need words like that to tell myself because when I'm in that moment where I'm like, but Lisa, you just always want to be authentic. I need something to go to because otherwise I'm like, what's the end? What's the opposite of that? Okay. Am I being fake? And I don't like that feeling, which is why I think I do lean into always be yourself. Don't, you know, but having language like that allows me to go, okay, I'm not being fake. I'm just tapping into a different side. Yes, the business professional side. Yeah. You're a businesswoman. You help co-found this amazing company. So you bring, you lean into that version of you. Because when you walk in, I'm going to be me and everybody has to accept it. You're going to hit wall after wall after wall after wall. And now you're not progressing to get what you want. All you're doing is meeting resistance everywhere. And there's no progress. You're not in a cooperation state. People see you a certain way and they think, I don't know if I want to do business with her. She just seems like, whether you're solid or not, that's the perception they made. And so you need to off-balance that perception. Is it fair? I don't know. I'm not talking fair or not. I'm just talking about right. what the reality oh, is. Oh, dude, I'm so fucking glad you said that because that's the thing. I used to, used to be that person, but babe, it's not fair. But I don't understand. It's not fair. Now I'm like, screw that. What am I trying to get to? And that's why me and you get along so well, because you're no freaking BS. You're like, Lisa, no wonder people didn't respect you because you acted like X, Y, and Z. Like being honest, being very aware of how you're being perceived is very strong. And having someone as a friend like you even, right, that points those things out to me is very powerful. Um, because I don't think sometimes we see how we come across. Look, I also, to be fair, I had so much practice and I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people in my career and I dealt with the public. And so I had to become attuned to people. I even got my master's in forensic psychology so that I could understand people better. I didn't magically become this, yes. but there's research, there's, there's social sciences. Some of the, the stuff we're talking about, it's not my opinion. There is science behind this. There's research behind this. Go read it. This isn't not the, this right. is not the world by Evie. Right. It is the things that were taught to me and taught to the top negotiators in the world because we had to be effective. When you're negotiating with someone who wants to blow the world, you know, a city up or attack somebody, a suicide bomber or a, a criminal, when you're dealing with these life or death situations, 
because of that, because of what was at stake, at least my agency really worked hard to make sure I had the tools to offset whatever personality walked into my mm. room. You're going to get this person. I didn't walk in there, well, today I'm going to be me. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between talking to, to a terrorist or a terrorist sympathizer, and there's a difference between talking to a victim or a child. I didn't walk in there, I'm going to be me. Mm. I had to adjust and navigate. No! I love taking pens from hotel rooms. And I realized that even a year later, when I would find the pen in my bag, it would remind me of the place that I went to and it'd give me such warm memories. Ding! Made me think about giving gifts to the guests that come on the show so that in a year, in two years, when they probably don't remember the interview they did with me, they still have something that reminds them of me and gives them a warm feeling. So we have this gift basket, pink of course. It's filled with all the things that I think is going to warm the guest's heart. So, food. Who doesn't love food? And of course, it's Quest. T-shirt. So now you're gonna remember me every time you look in the mirror. More food. And of course, the pen and the mug. when the guest goes for that cup of coffee, pulls out the mug, goes to write down a note, who do you think they're thinking of? Me. No. One of the things I do hear often, and it's something as well that I struggled with when I would interview with people, was connecting with them, but connecting with people that I really had nothing in common with. I did this interview, and actually I didn't do it while I was an agent. I did this um, in a different function afterward. But there was a case where there was a young man. He was 17 years old, and he assisted in an attempted murder case. So the murder was they did a home invasion. They went to this man's house. They were there to steal money and other things. This was actually related to drugs. There was drugs in the home. They knew there was money in the home, so they wanted to take the money. So he and another person go in, and it doesn't go well, and they end up shooting the person the, at the home invasion like maybe six times. He lived, actually. He lived. But um, they leave. Now we're trying to figure out who was involved. The young man that we're supposed to interview, he is 17 years old. He um, is in a horrible neighborhood. He had been shot at. Actually, he was, a, he was a victim himself of having been shot at and survived. Um, he's in a sweatsuit, and you could see that he's coming from a very difficult background, a background where he was just surrounded by crime and by drugs. And we're going in there to speak with him. You tell me what I have in common with this young man, other than my humanity, not much. So understanding who he is, and what he may see in me, right, my brand, and understanding who he is, I understand I have to create some common ground. Mm. Because we have very different backgrounds, very different lifestyles. My partner shows up to do this interview with me. And actually, he was really the lead. I was just kind of there for support and 
um, just to be there. He shows up in a three-piece suit. Three-piece suit. He's in a three-piece suit with a tie. He's got his gun on, his badge on. And I'm like, are we going, where are we going? Are we giving a press briefing? Because you look like it. And he had his like police shield right here. And I see this and I'm thinking, how on earth are we going to have any common ground with this young man? You, we just can completely alienate him. So I asked him, I said, can I ask you a question? Would you mind? And he had known my background, so it was easy to do this. A lot of times I could never do this. I said, can you take your blazer off? Can you take your tie off? Can you get rid of your gun? Can you get rid of your badge? Can you get rid of your cuffs? Can you just look a bit more like a human being mm. rather than a cop? And he did. To his credit, he did. And when we went in there, we were trying to connect with the young man. And of course, he's like, look, I don't know anything. And eventually, I was, um, I was able to connect with him and talk. And as we're talking, you could see struggling. They had arrested him the night before. They were able to arrest him. They had enough to arrest him. But he was hungry. And so I asked him, are you, are you hungry? Do, do you want anything to eat or to drink? He's like, you know, I, I would love a drink. He's like, can I have a, a Pepsi? I said, sure, I'll get you a Pepsi. So I stepped out to go get a Pepsi, and then I got one for my partner and one for me. And I walk in, and I give the young man his Pepsi. I give a Pepsi to the detective, and I get a Pepsi as well. And the detective looks at me. He's like, I don't, he's like, I don't drink Pepsi. And I was just like, you're drinking Pepsi today. The point was to humanize ourselves and create a common bond. And if it's something as simple as symbolic, as a symbol of drinking a Pepsi together, mm. that was that. Which means like, I drink Pepsi, you drink Pepsi, he drinks Pepsi. We do have something in common. It's very basic and simple. But it's a great way to connect with people. Again, influence. And you can do this with food. Sometimes if I'll meet with a business executive or maybe... Today's typically in the TV world. And I want to have a good relationship with someone. I may eat what they eat. Mm. If I see them eat something and I'll say, you know what, I'll just have what, you know, what are you having? Oh, that's great. I'll have what you're having. I'll drink what you're drinking. I never would have thought about it with food. Like when you told me about the Pepsi thing, I was like, that's so fascinating. Because when I think of common ground, I think of when we first started Quest Nutrition, we, our very first office was in Compton. And um, we were hiring because we didn't care if we were hiring um, ex-convicts. We didn't care where, where you came from, what your history was. All we cared about is who do you want to be and what, you know, are you willing to work hard to get there? So people that would walk in, we had very different backgrounds. I'm British, five foot one, right, from England and, and studied filmmaking. And here I was with you know, a warehouse of 40 employees just in my department alone with probably like 50% of them ex-convicts. And I had to lead them. I had to be their boss. And I had no idea how to connect with them because I think that they just, they would have walked all over me, right? It's like, because they they maybe perceive me in a certain way, right? You said even early in the last um, tactic or strategy, they're going to see you a certain way. So how do you show up? So I knew how people were going to see me. I knew that people would think whether I liked it or not, that I was probably weak. And so like, I really wanted to make sure that we had that connection. And so I love hip hop music. Like, Tupac, Biggie, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I grew up on that shit. I love that shit so much. And so I was like, oh, I know that the production and the, the offices don't play music, but fuck it, it's my department. I'm gonna do what I want. 
blasting a song from Tupac, Biggie, Wayne Thugs. I would ask someone, hey, what's your favorite hip hop song? Yeah, let's blast it. Swear words and everything. I didn't give a shit. And I would break down in rap. They would break down in rap. And we would just have like three minutes of total fun and connection. And in fact, it was that moment that I realized pop culture is my connecting thing with people. So music, I have friends who love certain bands. So when I hear that band comes on my phone, I'll text them, oh my God, just thinking of you. Um, friends, the show. Um, I have one of my close friends that works with us is obsessed with friends just like me. So I may not speak to her now we're in you know, COVID and stuff like that. I may not speak to her for maybe a month, personally, one-on-one, -on -one, but every so often I'll randomly send her something that comes along about friends and we've connected. We've like now rebonded. Um, and going back to influence, I do think of that as a huge part of influencing people is creating that emotional bond, that um, emotional connection. Actually, what you're saying is something that very people do commonly do. It's that you know, you just used Friends, for example, and you said Friends is my favorite show. So now assuming that Friends was my favorite show, I would be like, oh my God, I love Friends. I, 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 mm -hmm. I, I stream it all the time. I watch it all the time. It's my favorite show growing up. Or I love that song. And so that's when we, we get excited when we have those moments with, with people because now we have a connection. We have something in common. You have those things. Or when you hear somebody say, oh, I love New York, you know, and it's like, New York's the best. New Yorkers are the best. Um, then that, that creates a connection with me when I'm traveling somewhere else in the world. So that's finding things in common with someone to create a connection. You also did that, you know, you do that. Um, this also goes back a little bit to the, hey, I'm Greek thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Again, all these things are okay to do. One, if it's authentic to you. And if you are excited because we happen to be of the same background, then that's true and that's authentic. Um, it's okay to do. Again, as long as you're not manipulating people or as long as it's, you just don't want this stuff to come off disingenuous mm. when you use influence techniques. And that's the problem though, even with influence and what we're talking about, because I'm glad that you brought up the Greek thing again. So just for context, when I first met you, I was so excited that you were coming on the show. I actually didn't know you were Greek initially, obviously heard your name and I was like, that sounds very Greek. Thank you. <laughs> very good, thank you. My fellow Greek in the house. Yes, we are busting out the Greek. We are. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're on here. I've been waiting for you to come on. And immediately I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. The common ground, like, right? The difference, I'm British. You know, you brought up in New York, Secret Service, you know, Quest Nutrition Impact, like television. Like it's, it was very different. We have originally. nothing in common. We have nothing in common except for being Greek. Yes. So I literally was like, amazing. She doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know me yet. Like, you know, hopefully we get along because I love freaking badass women. I was like, but okay, cool. What's the common ground? Oh my gosh, she's Greek. Yes, I've got this shit, Lisa. I'm so good. I'm going to come on set. First thing I'm going to say, I'm going to speak to her in Greek. I'm going to influence her. She's going to think I'm freaking awesome. And then we're going to get along so well. But what I didn't realize is where you were coming from and how you think about people, how often people come to you and speak Greek and how you're like another one of these people. <laughs> So talk to me about that because that's the nuances of influencing people and knowing who you're talking to. I didn't expect that response for you. Now, you didn't tell me that at the time. You were very sweet. Like, oh, you were Greek. Oh, you're Greek. Great. Um, I was like that. Yeah, oh, and you're I, Greek? Okay, that's great. Yeah, and I remember going, <laughs> oh, that didn't land as much as I had hoped, but I kind of just brushed it off and kept going. But in those moments, right, where you think you're bringing up common ground, but actually you could be doing a disservice to yourself. So Jodie Foster has been my idol since I was a kid. 
I did my film dissertation on her, like seriously obsessed with the woman. What she's done for film is just, it, to me, is life-changing for women in Hollywood. So I study her, obsessed. I know a lot of things about her. I come to LA, I'm married, I'm in a Starbucks, and guess who's freaking standing in front of me? Jodie Foster. Like, honestly, I wanted to lose my shit. I wanted to geek out and be like, oh my God, I love all your movies and blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, I was like, keep calm, keep cool. And the thing is, I wanted to compliment her, but I wanted to be authentic. But I also wanted to give her something that I felt like other people had, right? Because I'm sure everyone says, oh my God, silence the lamb. Like the amount of time she probably hears that. So I really did want to influence her to remember me. And I remember thinking her favorite movie was Little Man Tate. She poured her heart and soul into it. She directed it. And I knew that about her. Now, I really did like the movie, did not prefer it over Silence of the Lambs, but I did like the movie. And so I, I in that moment, I, I said, oh, I just want to say like Little Man Tay was just an incredible film. And she looked gobsmacked in that moment. Like she was like, oh my God, as if no one often says this. So I really did in that moment, try to find a unique type of common ground to influence her so that she would remember me. Now, that was 15 years ago. Who knows if she still remembers me from a Starbucks conversation. But like that really hit me in that moment where I was like, huh, just by in what I, the common ground that I could have connected us with made the difference on how I, how I think that we left that conversation. So there's something I need to talk to Lisa about. And I'm concerned she's going to say no because it really goes against her value and belief system. I freaking love what I do. I pour my heart and soul into every single thing. But let me tell you, it's freaking exhausting. And so what I do is I make sure that I set a boundary so that on the weekends, it is time for me. I needed to work on the weekend. Hey! Hey! Nice top, homie. Where'd you get it from? Oh, it's just, it's, it's grown on me. I love the freaking color. Oh, I got you this warm cup of coffee. Really? I hope I made it the way you oh like it. God. And you chose the mug. Because you're the boss you're lady. You're the pink mug. It's the pink mug. Oh, so I just saw this article. I thought it was amazing. It talked about how entrepreneurs now are not working super hard during the week, but they're spreading their hours throughout the whole week, even the weekend. Because what they're finding with the research is people are getting burnt out. And so it really like affects the way they work, the quality of their work. So now there's this huge movement through the sciences to talk about how it's really good to actually work even on the weekends. Wow, can you send me the article? That's yeah, fascinating. Absolutely. I knew you'd love it. I knew you'd want to hear yeah. about it. No matter what, is I don't work on the weekends. She is going to work on the weekend. Oh, and I have some good news. You know the hosting gig I put in for? Yes. My manager called me and she told me I got it. Oh my God. Thank I'm so you. happy for you. Thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. Oh God. Yeah, I have to fly within the next couple of days because if I don't do it, then I I, I lose the part. Go freaking jump at the chance. Thank 100%. you. 100%. Thank you. I know I know how much you support me, oh Lisa. God, I appreciate it. Of course. It. I was thinking then, you know what would be really amazing? Why don't we just work throughout the weekend and we can bang out our whole Unstoppable episode? Oh, of course, girl. Yeah, yeah right? Of course. Okay, cool. You enjoy your warm cup of coffee and your pink mug. You deserve it. Oh, thank you. Oh, so sweet. 
coin. What up guys, thanks so much for watching and if you want more awesome freaking videos with my girl Evie, click that box right there. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. If you're fed up of people constantly pushing you around, ignoring your boundaries, and just disrespecting you left, right, and center, then it's time to finally stop letting people walk all over you and start actually standing up for yourself, my homie. Because trust me, I've been there, staying silent and living a life I never actually wanted for myself, but lacked the confidence to do anything about it. But I was able to go from someone who settled and lacked all the confidence in herself to someone who comfortably commands respect. And guys, and my homie, even with the fears, the doubts, and uncertainty, you can finally go after what you freaking want in life, set boundaries, speak up, show up, fight imposter syndrome, and stop people pleasing. And I break down how to actually do this step-by-step step in my book, Radical Confidence. And when you pre-order your copy of Radical Confidence right now today, guys, you can get a free gift valued at $171, which includes my ultimate guide to Radical Confidence, which is a workbook that you actually can work through as you're reading my book. Three months ad-free listening to Women of Impact on podcast and one hour exclusive relationship coaching sessions with me and my hubby of 21 years, Tom. So my homie, if you go and pre-order this book right now, you get all of those things for utterly free, which has been valued at $171. So go over to RadicalConfidence.com to pre-order your copy right now. That's RadicalConfidence.com. See you there, my homie. Let's freaking go.